Welcome to The Pastor's Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church in Chicago. Every time a pastor prepares a sermon, there's all kinds of material that influences, shapes, and informs, but ultimately gets cut from the final preach. The Pastor's Cut is a chance to go behind the scenes and access that content that informs our teaching every week at Park. This week, I'm joined by Phil Adams, pastor of Parks North Region, as we discuss what got cut from his sermon on Acts chapter 14. So let's get started. I'm your host, Trevor Lovell, and this is The Pastor's Cut with Phil Adams. Phil, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Good to be back. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Partway through summer here. Yeah. uh, Getting some some R&R along the way. So, <laughs> yeah, you actually, you had a family trip recently, right? You and Ruth took the kids, uh, went out to see some uh, parts of the States that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were in Colorado most of the time. And then for a little bit of the time we were in New Mexico. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. what, Beautiful. what did you, uh, yeah. What did you like? What, what, uh, about those States kind of impressed itself upon you? Ooh. Um, well, yeah, I'm in Colorado, just we were up in the mountains and um, it was just that kind of place where depending on the clouds or where the sun was at or, you know, just the general weather that, that, that it just looked like a painting, you know, it's like a moving, watching mm-hmm. Ed in his cabin in the mountains and looking out the window looked like watching a painting move. So that was, yeah, that was special. It was beautiful up there. Really beautiful. Um, New Mexico, also really beautiful, but also I just love, I loved, it was one of the places I've been in the States where I felt like it, it, it was still really, um, had like a rich connection to its kind of, you know, like ancient history. So that was really cool to see with the, just the Native American heritage still being really prominent and celebrated. So love, love that. I think, yeah, coming from, coming from Ireland, that's something that we, kind of uh, miss here and then um just I, I, it kind of dawned on me there you know if, to to really understand like ancient history of um you know um, the americas um it really is to kind of delve deeply into the history of the you know native americans so that just kind of obviously i kind of already knew that but it just really dawned on me that um like in Ireland, when we see, you know, old ancient pillars or monuments, like we associate that with, you know, our ancient uh, history. And um, this didn't really correlate that for some reason before with, you know, like Native American um, monuments or even buildings. There's a Pueblo in, um, that we went to see in Taos in New Mexico, and it's been occupied for a thousand years. Like, you know, every generation has um, had folks living in it. So it was just really, really cool to see. I didn't know that existed here. So yeah. That yeah. Cool. Oh, that is really cool. Um, yeah. It feels like there's, there's like pieces of the history here, like with this land that is mm-hmm. uh, it's like easy to miss. Uh, but like in some, even like Chicago, the word Chicago is the Potawatomi word for a wild onion that used to grow in this region. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. I've heard that before. Wow. And then we've got Potawatomi park up here in Nudge park. So yeah. It was, an Indian boundary park. So it's all around us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one thing we took a, a trip out that way as a family, a few years back, um, kind of went through like Wyoming and, uh, Idaho, Utah, came back around to Colorado. And whenever we were up in the mountains, I don't know if this is just because I'm like, I'm from the Midwest and I've always lived in the Midwest. 
but being that high up, even though the ground is like very clearly solid and it's like, it's stable <laughs> and you're at no risk. I just, I felt almost like a, I could just tell that I was high up, <laughs> that I was not like, as low as I was used to being. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I can't say I, I experienced that, but <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad. I don't know no, if that was a... You feel like just closer to the heavens, you know? Yeah. This is, this is, this is different. That's right. That's right. I'm used to, I'm used to the, a little lower down. So I felt, I felt comfort and a sense of ease as we drove out of the mountains. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, very beautiful though. And so Phil, this past week you preached at um, South Rogers Park and Subka Sahara, right? Yep. On uh, Acts chapter 14, verses eight to 28. Yep. Uh, could you give us just a, a quick recap of your sermon? Yes, yes, I can. So um, transitioning into Acts 14, verse 8, um, Paul and Barnabas, they're kind of being propelled um, forward on their, their missionary journey through uh, persecution. Um, it says uh, just beforehand and earlier in verse in chapter 14 that they're, they're fleeing um, uh, those that want to, to kill them. So that's what sends them forward. And then in verse 8 of chapter 14, we, they land in Lystra. Um, and the two kind of questions I asked um, this Sunday, uh, kind of just like zooming out and looking at the entire uh, missionary journey, what you see is that on the way outward, on their outward bound leg um, to all of the cities and the places that they've been, they've been to five different cities that they are proclaiming um, the good news of Jesus. And that's as they go, that's what they're doing. But what's interesting is in, in this passage, um, once you get to the end around verse 21 of chapter 14, you see that they start to actually retrace their step, steps backwards and they go back through the very same cities that they had uh, came through on their way. Um, so they are launched out of Antioch, which is in northern uh, modern day Syria, and then they retrace their steps back to that place in, in, in Antioch. But what's interesting you really see today as well in this passage is that on the way back, they aren't proclaiming the gospel, but they're going back through the cities where they've made disciples and where they planted churches. And this time they're going back and strengthening um, the churches and the followers of Christ. They're going back and strengthening them. So the two questions um, that I asked, the first one was, how did Paul and Barnabas on their outbound leg proclaim the good news of Jesus? And then the second question, how did Paul and Barnabas on their return leg strengthen those that had believed and then going forward looking at those two questions and um what we can what we can learn from them today so there's there's um different things that i, that I pointed out but one, one of the main um things was that when they got into lystra um they weren't just in a new city but they were in, an, in a new ministry context um, it was the first place that they had been um where there wasn't a, a synagogue that they could go and preach in um there wasn't like the the the, the, the foundations of Judaism that they could springboard off um, to proclaim Christ or point to Christ. And so really link that in with our context here in Chicago, um, that more and more we're in a context where people just have not grown up in, in Sunday school, um, where, where we cannot assume that people um, live with kind of a, a worldview that, that affirms the, 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 the foundational biblical truths of Christianity. So asking what does that what does that mean for us? What can we learn from how they 
um, preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel in Lystra that would be appropriate um, and helpful for us. One of the things I pointed out that I think was um, just chatting to people afterwards that was helpful was just um, I talked a little bit about how, uh, you know, a term that you hear increasingly regarding um, American society, definitely um, European, but even Western societies, just this idea of post being post-Christian. Um, and I heard it stated helpfully once a society, a society is post-Christian when the culture continues to be a means of formation, but the culture is no longer a means of formation that causes people to think Christianly. Um, so I just thought that was kind of helpful. It's not to say that any society ever has ever had a monopoly on or understood fully what it means to think Christianly. Um, but the, the basic kind of tenets that there is a God, that there is a creator um, to whom our lives belong, to whom uh, we'll one day give an account um, for our lives, those, those kind of foundational truths, we can no longer assume that people um, believe. And therefore, there's uh, less and less available in that sense um, for us to use as a springboard, um, similar to Lystra with yeah. Paul and Barners, that we can, we can point people um, to... Christ. Um, so that's just one of the things that I, I wanted to frame to, so that we can say, well, what, what did they do then? How did they, how did they go about it? Um, the first thing we see is that when they go into the city that, that um, there's a, a, a cripple, a lame man, um, and then Paul literally stops like mid preaching, puts down his microphone, puts down his notes, um, and, and uh, sees that the man has faith to be healed. And, and, and Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, heals him. Um, so just immediately seeing that pairing that we see all through Christ's ministry in every context is just this, this like coming together of word and deed, um, that we as a church, that we were witnesses to the kingdom of God through our proclamation of the gospel, that Jesus reigns, that he is king, and that one day he's coming, but also that we, we're a foretaste by embodying the life of the kingdom. Um, right here through our love and our, our care for others. So just, just I didn't spend long on that, but just um, pointed that out. But then kind of get into the meat more of it is once that ha- miracle happens, the, the crowds, they gather around and they're saying the gods um, have gone down the likeness of man. And they keep, you know, they repeat this and they're, they're gathering around them. And then they go to actually the priest comes out um, and he wants to sacrifice um, oxen and, and then to, the, to Paul and Barnabas, who they think are gods, um, Zeus and Hermes. So, um, I told her there's a legend, um, basically, that, that there's a poet called Ovid who lived, um, uh, I think it's like 43 BC before Christ, and um, we still have like his writings, which is kind of incredible. And he writes about this area, how there was a legend there that, that literally these gods, Hermes and Zeus, came down and needed somewhere to stay, and they went around um, a thousand different homes, and they were rejected at the doors of a thousand different people. Um, and eventually then they were um, given a place to stay by a, an old uh, peasant couple. Um, and then the gods stay there, but then after they stay there, they go and they destroy um, all of the people and all of the homes that rejected them and then turn that one um, cottage or, or small home into their temple. So that's the, the kind of story that's the that has formed their behavior because they're seeing Paul and Barnabas now and um, they believe they're gods because of the miracle, but they don't want uh, the same thing uh, to, to happen them to happen again, that they will be destroyed. So they're very eager um, to sacrifice the oxen and very eager to, to um, welcome them in. So uh, I went from there just talking a little bit about um, our, about legends and about um, not only that, that they, uh, 
their lives were being formed by their legends, but that our, our longings actually form legends um, and our legends. And that's, that's kind of, we keep going. We see how Paul actually proclaims the gospel is that he, he directs it towards um, longing. Um, so the, 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 how he draws out the gospel to fulfill the gospel fulfills their unfulfilled longings. Um, uh, one of the things, uh, just to try and like bring it home a little bit was um, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, he wrote a book uh, called On Fairy Tales. Um, and in it, he really pr- proposes that legends, myths, fairy tales, that they really are all about this idea of, of longing um, and that we still are obsessed with fairy tales, the supernatural um, and legends, because they still speak to this idea of longing that we we have in our heart. Um, so we're still obsessed with it, not because we believe the actual stories are real, but because we believe the longings um, in our hearts that birth our legends um, are still real. Uh, so, so in a sense, like telling st- telling stories of what we do not believe to be true um, is our way for a, for just a moment to find fulfillment in stories that we long to be true. Um, that that one day all wrong will be made right, um, that, that righteousness and justice will one day prevail, um, that our like meaningless lives in a sense do ha- are wrapped up in, in, in a greater story um, and, a greater, and a greater purpose. Um, so really, I think what Paul and Barnabas do, and you see this in how they really point to God as the creator, is they, they, they say to the, the folks like, maybe you've got reality wrong. You know, and I think that's something that... Um, in our culture more and more is something that we're just going to have to kind of call out. Like maybe, maybe you've got reality wrong. You know, that, that, that um, your assumptions about what is true in the world are, are wrong. And that's what Paul and Barnabas do. They, they, they say like, look, this is the story. This is the story of history. This is, there is a God, there is a creator. Um, and then really drawing that to like in that God, that that's where we find our, our, our peace and fulfillment to use the quote by C.S. Lewis. If I find in my, uh, my self desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy the only logical explanation, um, is that I was made for another world. Um, and in verse 16, the way Paul does it, um, which I think is really beautiful. Um, he points them back into their past and says like, look, look at those times where, um, you, you you know you had lots of food and there was wealth and there was the rains and your harvests were going well and the term which is a really beautiful term he said in verse 16 it says um uh satisfying your hearts um with food and gladness um so so i just drew out that for us you know that um or even our society that there is these moments where people's hearts are filled um where their hearts are satisfied with gladness whether that um is uh when an, an, someone has a newborn child someone gets married a good night with uh, friends and food or you know even just walking home one day and the sun comes through the trees a certain way and you know your heart is just like satisfied and joy yeah. joyful um i feel like paul is saying to them like can i can i tell you who those moments speak of um can i tell you who gave you them um so i think that's something that we can really uh, learn from you know, and how we engage our society that, um, yeah. although there's so many ways people perceive reality, like throughout history, throughout all of the world in different cultures and countries, like every person is made in the image of God with the same, um, you know, meaning in life to find fulfillment in, in Christ and in 
and glorifying God. And so that longing is still is still the same. So even if somebody does not have those basic foundational truths of the Bible and believes them, mm-hmm. they still have this a longing for for Christ in their hearts that they desire to be met. Um, and I, I just think that's how Paul kind of launches um, off and saying, like, there's even moments where you are satisfied. Um, and that's because the God that will ultimately satisfy you has given you, you know, a, a gift in life. Um, yeah. So that's, that was the first way to answer the question, how does he proclaim the gospel? And then we, yeah. then, um, uh, we want went on um, to the second question. Let me say real quick: um, the the on fairy stories is a is a like a fascinating essay. So I, I believe it's you can find it for free online. And if I can yeah, find probably. it, I'll just I'll drop a, a link to it in the show notes, just yeah in the, in the description, so you can check it out if you'd like to. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah, and uh, but man, it's fascinating just the way that it um, he he doesn't just point to God's provision physically, but also he points to joy, like those moments of joy, like yeah. you're saying and how, um, like everyone wants more of that. They, they, and, and he points to the source of it and where that actually comes from. Cause I think in some ways we, I don't know, you have an experience with that in, in some way, especially as a kid, whether it's like with a sport or something you, you gain mm-hmm. a, attention for as a kid. And, um, and even C.S. Lewis in, uh, surprised by joy he basically talks about having that feeling in this one area and then being like drawn to try and find it more and more and more but but the further he looked in this certain subject or this area the less he would find it and so he jumped from one thing to the next to the next trying to find this this feeling in a way that he could hold on to it until eventually it led him mm. like it led him to god um, yeah beautiful i think he i think he would say too to this that part of his conversion story was realizing that like christianity is the true myth is mm-hmm. that 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 um i feel like it's maybe a confusing concept for folks to get but um but all of the the longings and desires that myths kind of draw out of us you know that they point to ultimately like a true story um uh-huh. that is supernatural um and makes sense of the world so um, yeah yeah, those guys are 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 really were kind of ahead of their time in a sense, and yeah, <laughs> are, um, helping us, you know, draw draw this um, increasingly as as society does become post Christian and yeah. hyphen, um, particularly at the gospel. So, absolutely. So that was the first question, and then second one. Um, the second question was what? Hi. Uh, the second question was um, how did they strengthen? those that believe so on the return leg they didn't go back to proclaim the gospel they went back to strengthen those that had believed um and uh it's really cool that you kind of see that um paul really embodies what he wants them to 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 a way of life that he wants them to live because he he gets beaten um almost to death uh his disciples those that came to christ probably in in lystra go probably even just to, to bury him um, and then he he gets up <laughs> and he keeps going and he goes one more city of the gospel and then he starts heading back to strengthen um, the church. So he's probably like beaten, bruised, uh, clothes are torn. Um, I think in Galatians he refers to you know the marks of Christ um, Galatians uh, on his body and it's probably on this journey that 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 um, those marks, those scars were actually that he got them. Um, and then the way he strengthens them, the way the text kind of uh, draws it out, is, is that um, he strengthened them through saying that through many 
uh, tribulations, we must enter the kingdom um, of God. Um, and I think init- initially it's not really like, oh, that's you know, like the most um, like strengthening uh, like words in a sense. Um, but I think what, he, what he's saying is that like, yes, the Christian life, it is full of trials and uncertainties and struggle. And yet the Christian, he's reminding them to keep going on the journey, just as he is on a journey that is hard to remind them that this route is the only route or pathway that leads ultimately to eternal life, um, to the kingdom. Um, and so what's really, uh, interesting is that again, he, he draws out this exact same thing, this idea of unfulfilled longings, but this time it's not just telling them about Jesus, that Jesus is the one that satisfied their hearts in gladness in the past. Um, but he's telling them now that they believe to keep going towards Jesus in the future, um, who will entirely fulfill um, and satisfy uh, their their longings. So it's really, it's just really cool that like those two pieces. Um, he draws people to Christ by pointing about their unfulfilled longings, and then he strengthens the church by continuing to talk about their unfulfilled longings, like to keep mm-hmm. going. And that was probably like just what I was trying to drive home at the end. The most to to um, the church mm-hmm. churches up here at Sub Sahara and South Rogers Park was just this idea to keep to keep going, continue to keep going and get up even when it's difficult and to keep going, knowing that there is a destination that we will get to um, where Christ will be there and we'll, we'll see him face to face. And we get there to reminding ourselves of the gospel, of what Christ has done, of the truths um, that he gives us of his love for us um, that, that kind of, uh, pre- you know, help, help us to um, uh, press on. Um, and just that, that, that one day we'll end uh, or our stories will end in a similar sense to how this whole missionary journey end where they got back to Antioch and they're, they're talking with them. They gather round with the church that sent them out probably two years ago. Um, and they're not talking about their trials. They're not talking about the the stonings um, there or even the obstacles. That's not what's like in their mind to discuss. It says that they declared all that God had done with them or some translations say all that God had done through them. Um, so in another way, when they gather around, they're, they're talking about God, you know, that the, 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 the he was with them. Look what he did. Look what he accomplished. Um, and I think there's something just really beautiful in that, that even right now we're, Maybe the trials and the obstacles of life are very prominent in front of us. It's really cool to think that there will be a day in the future when we get to look back and what won't be prominent is the struggles or the trials. What will be prominent is that like God was at work. Um, and I think we'll yeah. see that in the future, looking back um, with greater clarity than we can maybe see it um, now. And there's something very hopeful um, that, that you know, makes me want to you know, keep going to get there, <laughs> yeah. to see that perspective. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that, that we'll one day have. So I probably took a way too long to walk through that. Um, that oh, was good. It was good pieces. Um, I like how you broke it down with uh, the, the difference between, like what, what were they doing on the outward journey? What were they doing on the way back? What mm-hmm. were kind of the specifics there? So especially with the, the, like the, the context in the city of Lystra, how things were different there. And um, Paul, we piece, I didn't know that, that um, Paul, when he was in the last city, mm-hmm. um, the most direct route for him to get back to Antioch and um, to where he was sent out would have been to go directly south. This is in kind of modern day Turkey. Um, and uh, at, he was basically 30 miles from his hometown, which would have been to go through his hometown where he grew up would have been the most direct route back to Antioch. Um, but he didn't go that way. He took an incredibly like long route 
through all the cities to strengthen the, the, the followers of Christ. So again, you just see Paul's kind of um, perseverance and sense of purpose that he could have gone and got like a home cooked meal and probably seen like, you know, friends from growing up literally 30 miles away, um, which would have been also the easiest way home. Um, and yet he, he went a different direction. So yeah. he goes back to, uh, to, to the city where he'd been stoned. Yeah, the city where he had to flee mm-hmm. in order to avoid getting stoned, and then to the city yeah. where he'd been like forcefully removed, uh, and probably in a humiliating way. He goes back to all of those places, and it's like, yeah, yeah it's it's impressive. Instead of mm-hmm. going to, you know, friends and family and a home cooked meal, <laughs> absolutely, so yeah. And so, Phil, what what got cut um, from your sermon? What got cut? Um, something that I was going to just talk more about is just is like i think there's just obviously an obvious very like prominent theme of like idolatry you know that these um uh folks had um had these gods that they had this kind of relationship with that was about appeasement um and making sure that they are happy uh so that um our lives go well so that there's, you know, purpose or joy. And, um, but ultimately it was leaving them in a place of, of fear um, that, that, that the relationship with this God was not a, a relationship that was based on any affection or love. It was like trans transactionary, you know, like if we do this and they'll, they'll do this, but it wasn't leaving them with a sense of freedom. Um, and I just think, um, or, 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 or love, or um, it was leading the fear. And I just think that that's also something that we, you know, experience a lot in trying to identify our idols. Um, I think there's some, you might know, but you know, like like when things are, when we're crippled by certain things being taken away from us, you know, it's a sure sign that that maybe was like an idol in our life. And, not to say that, you know, like, I mean, God will pain through um, people's deaths or losing a job or having to move. So it's not to say that that's immediately like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel anything. Um, but I do think it's a, a chance um, when there's loss in our lives to um, process, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, like, where was my joy really, you know, coming from? Um one of the things I tell folks once is sometimes is that, um, you know, when we used to be, we used to serve in on a team in China and um, just with like the exchange rate, the, you know, we, we raised funds and all of that. Um, and, uh, but the exchange rate just meant that like, we didn't really have any like, um, like financial worries. And then we moved to Chicago. Um, <laughs> and, um, I was trying to study at Moody and it was just interesting because on one side was like, we, when we were in China, that's when people really seen that we were like living by faith or, you know, taking a big risk. And then we came to Chicago and it was kind of like, oh, that's more of a normal thing to do. It's not as risky. Um, and then, but internally within me, like I thought in China that, yeah, we got lots of faith, you know, and then I got to, <laughs> got to Chicago and we had no money. And I was like, oh, I was just, I was just trusting in my money in China. I didn't realize like, I was like the backup. I didn't have a backup here. So I just think like different circumstances and changes can just reveal those idols, you know, that, that, that are within us. And then if we're always striving for them, there is just a fear of losing, you know, if we lose money, if we lose this, lose this job. 
that like our sense of hope and joy will will be gone um and you know the beautiful thing about the true and the living god the <laughs> god is that um he he'll never leave us like you know we'll never be put to shame like there'll never be um a moment where we're like in like regret putting our hope and our trust in him like he'll always be faithful to us he will always um keep us and hold us and he's preparing an eternal home for us so if there is like a basket to put all our eggs in um you know it's it's him that uh he will provide for us and um we don't so christians should not be a people you know driven by um fear of what what's going to happen going to happen um what if god turns on me like that's not going to happen so there just should be um a real uh sense of um joy and hope um that kind of uh signifies what the christian life is and that's a, a challenge to us too you know to people um like around us like you can kind of even imagine if there was followers of christ there in that city and then you've all these people living by this legend that leaves them in fear of what if these gods come back and we don't do the right thing. And then you have another you have Christians there and they're like, Oh, we know, <laughs> like we know our God. And that, and actually the beautiful thing is that he also came down as, yeah. you know, he came down disguised in a sense in, in, in human flesh. And when he was rejected and he was, um, uh, not showing hospitality, like it didn't lead to their destruction, but actually led to, you know, their acceptance. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, if, which is just really beautiful. So, if, uh, how how how, dis, how much more dis, how distinct you know those Christians would be yeah. in that context? So that's, that's good. The the connection between how the legend shaped them to live by fear, and and the gospel shapes us to live by joy. But then also, so there's like the the witness and and what drives us, the motivation, the experience of life. But then also, as you're saying, the like those gods, Zeus and Hermes came down, were rejected. And it resulted in judgment on everyone who, but like with Jesus, yeah, that that's such a good contrast that wow. we rejected him, and it did wow. result in judgment. But he took our judgment upon himself. I'm yeah. wishing we had this conversation a week ago. <laughs> His wounds, we are healed. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, yeah, no. That that that's that's crazy. The the, the two different, um, yeah, narratives, um, and it really, it's really like. Yeah, it's just a powerful kind of almost illustration because, um, you know, like we are, there is a collective sense where, you know, we crucified Christ. Like it was through our our sins and our rebellion that that happened. Um, so, yeah, just very, very powerful that then God would use that to um, offer forgiveness and acceptance into his family to the very people that that brought about his death um very powerful and that's why the kingdom ups the kingdom of god i guess is just upside down you know the ways of this mm -hmm. world it's not the same ways um yeah of revenge you know and uh mm -hmm. very very challenging to how do how do we em em embody that i think often we think we're in entitled to treat people a certain way they treat us a certain way and the mm -hmm. kingdom really turn turns that upside down to turn turn the other cheek um yeah. Which, which Christ obviously uh, went beyond turning the other cheek, but actually embraced the person that, that um, crucified him. So, yeah, yeah powerful. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, let, let's uh, we'll jump to the listener question here at the end. So, um, okay. this one is: As a pastor, what does your prayer life look like? 
as a pastor, what does your prayer life look like? That's a good, really good question. Um, as a pastor, well, firstly, as a as a follower of Christ, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, like what look what that's once it gets down to the nitty gritty, that's that's who we are, just like anyone else, follower of Christ, seeking to you know honor Him and, and live for Him. Um, my uh, there's some probably tip, like typical typical pieces, you know, like I, I seek to. Um, you know, we got, we got multiple kids, so, um, trying to get up, risk, risk to get up before them, um, in the morning, um, just to have, you know, time in the word time with the Lord. Um, uh, there's a book I read a number of years ago, um, by a guy called AJ Sherrill called quiet. Um, and, um, it's just a book really it's about meditation. So I think often we can jump into prayer um, and just kind of like almost run through a list of things that we're thinking about that are on our minds. Um, and really the, the heart behind that book is to, you know, just come into God's presence. Um, and the, part of that is just like, um, like repetition of a verse or a phrase. Um, and I just find that, method like there's um a number of, like statements that i'll just say within my heart you know um i'm yours you know i'm yours <laughs> you're my life and it just kind of grinds me um you know uh show me your face you know i just there's just certain phrases and i'll just repeat through through them i have actually i'm not saying it well right now but it's like a little poem that i run through and um i'll just sit sit in that and that kind of always actually like just i i sense moving into God's presence um uh through through doing that um and what I like about that too is it just takes like I'm not asking for things in that moment um another part of my prayer life is that I just I really enjoy running and it's always been um a place like where I pray and it's it's interesting too because it it uh it really links like physical exertion (laughs) with like like mental exertion or prayerful exertion uh, and i think they've always have been just very effective times for me to really come before lord with like the difficult things that are happening in my life um to kind of like like it sounds kind of funny but literally like i'm not gonna like I, i'm gonna embody my perseverance to pray for this situation or trust in you through the fact i'm not stopping running even though i'm really tired <laughs> yeah uh, and i feel like that's just a way that i can express very physically you know what's what's um uh what's going on in my in, in, in my heart um and uh so that's another piece and actually i've been challenged very lately is just to turn my prayers really um like if there's people or situations that i know that I, my heart needs to change in regard to so you know you find yourself praying like well lord give me love lord give me perseverance lord give me patience and you know you have a situation or a person in mind um uh but the lord really challenged me recently and i think it's really been a beautiful thing that i see the fruit from is to to actually just pray for the people not you know and like to actually actually like okay lord give me love and then yeah, yeah. Pray for love like the loving thing to do and i should use that time to pray for their blessing and strengthening um and that the lord would you know reveal himself to them and encourage them and build them up in whatever trials they are going through um and i feel like that's that's been a really um that's really been quite transformational in a sense um 
and sometimes like it's funny like I drift back <laughs> you know like like this to, to pray for myself or about that person or situation um so uh, that that that's been um helpful and um so yeah uh kind of meditation grinding on it mm-hmm. um, I think prayer walks prayer running uh yeah is really good because it just i think there's something about when you're you're actually active in something it allows you to focus um and then yeah just something but for praying for really for people not just for myself i feel like that's become i've become a default like my prayer life is about you know transformation within myself but actually just turn that outwards um to, to to pray for others um there was one more thing I was going to say. Um, yeah, I think that's that's yeah. that's that's some of the some of the pe- some of the pieces. No, that's uh, good. That's good. I would I would echo some of those same things. I feel like when it comes to uh, like praying for other people, it it's so often um, you know part of like living alongside of other people is that you're going to be you're going to be frustrated and irritated with people. Mm-hmm. Um, decisions that are made, decisions that aren't made, different things like that. Um, and it's really easy to kind of, it's like relational frustration or relational irritation is a part of life. Um, and uh, I think I think knowing how to respond to those things is helpful. Because uh, I think sometimes we think like the gospel and uh, being like following Jesus is going to remove those things, but but it doesn't remove them. It just gives us other avenues to to handle them and to navigate them better. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like what you're saying there, praying for people is a way to do that. Like when you feel uh, frustration, uh, irritation with someone, instead of just stewing on that or, um, or even like going to someone else about it, but to turn to like to pray for that person. Um, I found that's been a really helpful thing for me, a practice to, to kind of to, to try and grow in that has been yeah. something that I, I've been working at more and more lately. Um, yeah, and I think too, just like the, the the Psalms are just so rich for helping us pray. Um, yeah. I also think I say Psalms differently than other people. People, yeah. you mean First and Second Samuel? Is that <laughs> exactly the, the brothers? The Psalms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, no, the writ, the, the <laughs> songs of David. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, are just, um, and I find actually reading them um, in. Uh, uh, different translations. Usually, I, 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 um, my Bible's in ESV, mm-hmm. but I've been reading those recently in the NLT, the New Living Translation, which is much more um, just modern, um, everyday language. And that's just really that's just been that's been that's been really rich. Um, just it, it, it really um, has helped me be like, wow, this like I can really identify with these these words because this is how I would say it. Um, yeah, and uh, so. I think that's definitely something to, um, you know, maybe even um, look into because that's really like so that the so much of the Psalms really just teach us just how to pray and come with like honesty um, before the Lord. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Phil, this has been great. Thanks so much for being on the show. It's been good. It's been good as always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, if you have any questions you'd like us to discuss in an upcoming episode, you can send those to us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new episode.